Welcome to Writers on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters. I'm your host, Gavin Reese, and I'm proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Every episode of this podcast will bring you authors and experts to help writers of all genres incorporate more authentic cops, crimes, and criminals in their stories. For this episode, international best-selling author Dan Petrosini steps into the interrogation room to clear up a few things about his writing and craft and how he manages to write about crime and murder, despite being such an incredibly positive and inspiring persona himself. In addition to several standalones, the majority of Dan's writing focuses on his detective, Luca, who works in Southwest Florida, where Dan lives. As a writer and as a reader, I really appreciate Dan's attention to detail in creating such a complex and relatable character, both for the public and even for me as a former cop, be able to relate to the trials and tribulations and reality of Luca's life. Dan's also a contributing author to the Dead Silent box set, which releases on January 19, which is a collection of 18 best-selling authors who have compiled original crime stories for a box set release. Dan's contribution to the Dead Silent box set is entitled The Barrow Case. Uh, This story is, in fact, a prequel to his Luca series, in which there are already 12 novels. Welcome back to Writers on the Beat, Dan. I am so grateful and honored for you to again spend some time with us and share your positivity and expertise. It's great to have you as always. Well, it's great to be here, Gavin. I enjoyed immensely our first chat and uh, look forward to uh, catching up again. Yeah, and when I was first approached about becoming part of this Dead Silent box set, um, one of the things that really helped sway my decision on that was the list of authors who are participating in this and your name in particular among them. Um, Your contribution to this is the Daryl case, and I'm really excited to read it and get back into into the next episode of Luca. What do you want readers to know about this story? Well, it's sort of a prequel uh, to to the Luca series because it it was the case that defined him as a homicide detective. It wasn't his first, which uh, I like to mention most people worry about. Uh, excuse me, refer back to their first case. This happened to be the second one, but it left uh, an indelible mark on him um, because of the way the the case progressed and his inability, let's say, to uh, be swayed by some of his colleagues. Mm -hmm. Um, So he lost a little bit of independence. uh, And that, you know, left him, let's say, with regrets. In fact, the tagline, I think, is is that regret is a small word that lasts a long time. Wow. Yeah, that's an incredibly powerful statement. I imagine most everyone listening to this can relate to. Yes, I think so. Um, And the other other thing is that I I think that's, uh, and it's, there's the truth, right? We have this, this, this vision of the truth, but the truth is always coming through someone else's eyes, right? It's mm-hmm. all creatures or beings that are influenced by our own experiences. So this case is a perfect example of, of how life's experiences uh, shape the lens that you see everything through. Yeah, that was one of the hard lessons early in my cop career was the reality that fact is not necessarily truth. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's a truth is a subjective filtered product from perspective. And it's, uh, it was uh, uh, a really important thing um, for, uh, for a young cop to learn very quickly. 
No question, and, and it's amazing, as you may know, and I've learned through all my receipt through some of the research that I've done, is that when you have two witnesses that see an event, mm -hmm. you know, how could they not recount them exactly? <laughs> <laughs> how is that possible? Yes, yeah, yeah. One of them has to be lying. Yeah, yeah, yes, no. exactly. <laughs> and, but you know, uh, or their interpretation of events, mm -hmm. right? If you're just, you know, if you're observing something, um, if two people are observing something. I'm observing it through what I believe those, those the actions of those people are about. And then someone else could perceive those, the same exact actions uh, as totally maybe threatening, for example, um, or very suspicious. So it's really, it's very interesting. And that's a byproduct of, of the experiences that we've uh, gone through in our life. And some of those experiences obviously may have, may have had abuse in, involved in them. Mm -hmm. um, or you may have been a victim of a crime yourself, or you had a sister or a brother or something happened, or maybe a parent died early, or maybe you were homeless. All of these, all of these events, um, life-changing events, influence the way we see the world. And as, as we're talking about this, my, uh, my mind is racing, trying to find examples in, in fiction that more closely parallel my, my experiences as a cop in this regard that I think the reality of having multiple eyewitnesses with different perspectives who are all telling the truth as they know it was a very common thing in, in my cop life. But um, from a, a novel or fiction perspective, I really don't see a lot of that aspect as a useful tension tool that's uh, commonly used where, um, you know, the, the plot, the writer uses that reality to create a lot of a lot of tension and a big part of the story of two people being truthful and that having very serious consequences for an innocent party. And I think as a writer, that's a really useful thing to use. No question about it. <laughs> um, but it is, it is, um, it, I think to do it effectively, and I'm, I'm actually struggling since you mentioned that because there, there is a case that I remember, um, not a case, but a, a show or a movie, and I'm really struggling here. Um, it's bad enough that all the books that I read, I end up, you know, reopening them and going, gosh, I already read this because I can't remember the titles. Mm -hmm. um, and, and my wife and I all, whenever we sit down and watch a movie, I say, did we see this already? I think we did. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try so, to make me feel better, Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, but yes, I, am, I, I guess the, 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 the most difficult part in that, for an author in that particular scenario, to have two eyewitnesses uh, with different interpretations, um, as you're saying, telling the truth but contradicting each other while still lending credibility and require attention would almost would maybe and I'm going off the cuff here would require a little bit of backstory on both of the witnesses mm -hmm. um, to, to try to make that understood but it could be something that I'm sure the both of us after this call is over are going to <laughs> I'm going to make some notes yeah <laughs> how are we going to do this now <laughs> now in you, you brought it up a, a little bit briefly about your research and your efforts um, as a as, as a, a non-cop to make sure you get all these things right. Um, how do you go about making sure that you present an authentic investigator, authentic cop, um, who's a very complex and real character, without having that experience yourself? I, I, I it's a challenge. It's a challenge, but one a challenge I believe that I've been able to. Um, to overcome, and especially, I think I've been guided by the fact that I have a pet peeve with TV shows and movies and books 
that have unrealistic characters. Mm -hmm. I'm a realist, you know, I, I and again, I, I may have mentioned this last time we spoke, like I wish I created Harry Bosch, but he's not the type of character. <laughs> he's not the type of character that I would write because mm -hmm. some of the things that he does is just, it's just not real. I mean, you just don't go shooting up in the street and, you know, some of the things and some of the things that he does. And again, it's brilliantly written um, and kudos to Connolly. Um, but that's not the type of character that I, I enjoy watching or writing about. So my, my guy has to be real in all aspects of his life, not just in his cop life. Um, so that means the fact that, you know, we're, we're human and we have all the, we make all the same mistakes. We have the same paranoia. <laughs> we say things we wish we could take back, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, so in, in terms of the cop end of it, um, I, I obviously have resources. I have friends that are, are police officers, uh, sergeants as such, and I talk extensively with these fellas. And I, when, whenever I'm uncertain about something, I am going to pick the phone up and say, hey, with this, what happens in this particular case? And, it, and also, uh, one of the other tools that are out there, and I know you may be a, a member of a few of these, there's a couple of groups out there, and one of them is the Cops and Writers one, that you can pose a question in there that, hey, what happens is, is it realistic when, you know, you, you arrest somebody and you bring him in for booking, what's the process? Does he go fingerprinting first, or, you know, do they really shower you down with a fire hose? All those <laughs> types of things um, that you can, you can get those questions answered really easily. Um, but, but I enjoy talking to law enforcement officials mm -hmm. um, because you get a lot you get it's just not a question in a Facebook group so <laughs> which yeah. which can answer and I and I use it I do use it not often but I do pose a question and and get a quick answer to to something I need to have um, but but there's no substitute to talk to somebody at length um, because you really get a different uh, feel and you get it, 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 you get a more rounded answer and you also you know, probing his brain and, and, and then they'll tell you, Hey, you know, I remember this thing that this happened here. And that's like, just feed you. And you have all of these, you know, I'm writing stuff down furiously as I'm talking, just trying to get, um, you know, jotting down new ideas and new scenes and, and, and trying to get a real, a real way, real way around it. And, and it's not only just talking to uh, people that are out on the street, but it's also talking to having a couple of contacts for people who were in quote unquote, the management end of it. Um, and um, even having access to to uh, to someone who has served in a let's say a psychological role that has actually mm -hmm. worked with officers who have gone through um, let's say shootings, um, maybe a killing, maybe they killed someone, or they were uh, you know those type of situations, or dealing with the personal issues that folks like you, when you're out in the street, it impacts your life. I mean, you can't unsee certain things. And there's a pension to, well, I shouldn't say a pension, it, it could happen that folks that, that are, are on the street and their lives are in danger or see crazy things or in crazy atmospheres like a prison guard constantly, um, you got to go home and drink. I mean, I don't know how you deal with it. <laughs> yeah, whiskey helps. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I'm, I, you know, I consider myself a very positive, optimistic individual. I can't even imagine being put in those situations uh, you know, on a daily basis, you know, and really negative working some of the beats that some of the fellows I know have worked. It's just like, oh my God, how do you deal with that negativity all day long? You know, so, so, so that, that gives you, that, that gives the officer issues to deal with. And then there are people that deal with, help the officer um, with those struggles. 
are also important uh, resources to speak to, to have uh, a, a well-rounded um, picture of what's going on. In Co Collier County, by the way, was where we live. Um, the sheriff's office here is, happens to be really accommodative. Um, uh, yeah, in other words, if you have questions and you know, you, they'll talk to you. I mean, yeah, some, some folks are closed. There's no question about it. And I, I, I know one uh, former officer pretty well. And um, he, he, he helps me quite a bit when I have more of a localized issue. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, but there are a lot of resources out there. I mean, again, nothing replaces what you've done. And, and the good men and women in blue who are out there, uh, you know, keeping the world safe for us. Um, nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those people. I wish I had that experience, um, but, but I'm not. <laughs> well, and that brings, um, brings me to the, the reality of, Kind of one of the detriments I think of my experience is that my first book, I was so dead set on making it authentic um, mm -hmm. to the police experience and to allow readers to, you know, look behind the curtain, so to speak, about the realities of cop life, cop work, and, and also to shine a more um, accurate and authentic light on the lives of criminals um, who are often portrayed as two-dimensional, amoral yeah. or immoral, um, almost subhumans, that that's not at all the case. Um, I've known very few people who were truly all bad or truly evil. Um, and so my first book, I think, was really overboard on the authentic side of it and didn't really consider a lot of reader expectation. And I have since tried to have a much better balance of that authenticity with um, ensuring that the readers have a satisfying experience that doesn't feel like they're reading a police report. And I, I wonder how you try to balance that out in, in your effort. Well, I fortunately, before I started writing quote unquote procedural procedures, I, I wrote several books beforehand. And my pension at the time was, was to write densely. And I, that's kind of what you're referring to, I believe just a lot of information, um, which I enjoy, uh, but, but as, as, as a reader, you, you want to move, be moved along. Mm -hmm. The reality is that a lot of police work is boring, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so and you can't write that you sat in a car for six hours and drove around and nothing happened. Um, and, and you can't, and a la CSI, where you, they find forensic and five minutes later, they, they find, oh gosh, this, this DNA matches that, that, that suspect. Mm -hmm. So we know that's not true, but, you, but you, you need to inject a little in there, otherwise the story doesn't move. It just, mm -hmm. it, it just doesn't move. And you did hit upon something that is, is really an important factor, which is uh, the villain is a human being, just like you and I, and they have you know, uh, struggles in their own lives um, and some of those things push us, you know, in a direction that we, <laughs> we'd like to resist, but because of circumstances, maybe we, we uh, do something we, we shouldn't have done. Uh, I, I, I don't know what the percentage is, but there are definitely some, some cretins <laughs> out there uh, and some habitual criminals, people with no soul and, mm -hmm. you know, but there are, there's a big body of folk who find themselves in circumstances um, and those are the people that are much more interesting to write about, you know, yes, um, you know, this, the, the, you know, the, and, and I always have a fear, just like somebody on drugs or somebody, you know, with alcoholism, I always 
because I realize I'm a human being and I'm, I, I could, I could be, I could fall into that crevice as well. You know, you know, so I could be, you know, gosh, I mean, I'm afraid of drugs because God forbid I might like it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And get stuck in that spiral. And, and conversely, same thing with, you know, Hey, maybe there was somebody's facing bankruptcy and his kid needs a kidney, a kidney transplant. And, uh, you know, he needs to find money. So next thing you know, he puts a mask on and goes to a, a bank, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in in light of that too, it's you you brought it up in a a, a couple of questions. It's almost like you're trying to read off my notepad here through the screen. But um, one of the things that has really struck me since we met is how incredibly positive and inspiring you are, and you write about murder. I, I feel like you should be writing self help. <laughs> you know, like you know, you're you're the kind of guy I could go and do a weekend retreat to help me find some zen somewhere in uh, in my inner monster. Yeah, well, I, I'm happy that uh, uh, you said that. Um, and I, I actually, a lot of people have approached me about doing self-help stuff. And I've done some motivational things for some people. Um, but I, 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 how do I balance the two? Because I think that's the way life is. Life is that way. Uh, well, you know, when something negative happens, um, and it's going to inevitably happen, you have to find a way to go forward, period. So I, I, I don't, I, I know it sounds weird, you know, that I do that. And people say, I can't believe you write crime. And <laughs> but, <laughs> but I don't know. I find, I find it's actually what, what life is all about. I, I, you know, in spite of the circumstances, we have to find a way to go forward is negative stuff's going to happen. So, you know, um, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? So, um, well, maybe, I, maybe it's, it's me pumping myself up, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want to dig too deep there, Gavin. That's true. Um, now, I believe I posed this, uh, this final question to you when we spoke before, but I'll, I'll go with it again because it's, it's absolutely one of my favorite ways to end the show with a hypothetical. But God forbid it should come to pass, Dan, but if you were to wake up tomorrow and find that you've been murdered, what two fictional investigators other than your characters would you assign your own homicide? This is very interesting that you bring this up because of the coincidence. Um, first of all, I'll start off with Jack Reacher because everybody likes a little bit of vengeance. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. But, but the other characters, I think I mentioned the last time was Atticus Punt, with, uh, which is the character created by Anthony Horowitz. And the reason why I'm going to bring this up is I, I think the last time I spoke to you, I was reading the, um, the May, uh, was it, Mad Pie Murders. I happened to be in the middle of his of the next book um, called the Mayflower Murders, <laughs> and he 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 made an appearance there. So I'll go with him. I like his. I just I can. I'm reading this one. The last one I listened to the audio book, and I could just hear his voice, uh, a German uh, accent. So uh, I'll stick with I'll stick with Jack Reacher and and uh, Atticus Pund. Yeah, that that'd be an incredible task force, and and surely revenge shall be yours. Yes. No question about it. Uh, we're, uh, everybody, everybody likes revenge, but I'll leave you with this. But as we all know, and Detective Luca likes to say, the only good revenge is one that's gone too far. <laughs> I wish I had thought of that line. <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, where, where can readers connect with you, uh, find information on your upcoming works and new releases, and maybe uh, find a newsletter for you? Uh, the easiest place would be at my website, which is uh, Dan petrosini.com and what's uh what's on your current work in progress list what are you doing uh later today 
uh, I'm trying to finish the first draft. I started a new series besides the Luca series. This series is called Suspenseful Secrets. Um, and I have the, fir the first book is out. The second book, I'm trying to get through the, the, the end of the first draft. I'm nearing the finish line. I got about 67,000 words on the belt right now. Hopefully, I'll be done in the next couple of days with the first draft. Fantastic. Well, I'm so grateful for your time and again, sharing some expertise and perspective. And as always, incredible positivity, Dan. It's great to have you on the show. You're welcome anytime. Thank you, Gavin. You do a marvelous job in educating everyone. And it's always a pleasure to speak to somebody like you. Thank you for listening to Writers on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters, a copyrighted broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm your host, Gavin Reese, and this episode's guest has been international bestseller Dan Petrosini. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Be safe out there. Thank you.